after a major decrease in evictions during the pandemic, we're seeing eviction rates rise even higher than pre-pandemic levels in Multnomah County. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Ali Sayer, organizing coordinator for Portland Tenants United. She'll be walking us through how bad things are out there, what's being done at the state level, and answering the question, is there such a thing as a good landlord? It's Tuesday, April 11th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Allie, we saw a huge dip in evictions in Portland during the pandemic uh, because of, you know, emergency laws that were put in and, and policies. But what's happening right now? Yes. So we're seeing a, a significant increase um, in evictions in Multnomah County, 92 percent of which are for non-payment. And so, you know, what that I think is pretty clearly says is that people can't afford to pay their rent. And, you know, the pandemic has waned in a lot of areas. People are still uh, recovering financially and wages have not kept up with the rising costs of rent. And so people are falling behind and are being forced out of their homes. During the pandemic, like you mentioned, you know, we had protections against non-payment evictions. And since those expired, those uh, tenants have now been taken to court and many of them have been evicted. So we, a few weeks ago, maybe months ago, um, had like a discussion with someone from Portland Business Journal, and we were discussing these, uh, some of the new, like the whispers of some of these laws that are not coming through. And there were a lot of like, yeah, well, you know, like not landlord bad, but very much like, oh, wah, wah, you know, for them. <laughs> and the discussion kind of leaned towards that. But not all landlords are these like, you know, large family, they're like Trumps, you know, or like these uh, multi-million dollar property management companies. Because I feel like there are a lot of landlords possibly listening when they hear this, they're just like, that's not me, you know, and I want to like give space to that. So, uh, Ali, let me, this is from uh, a listener, Laura Gracer. Uh, she's a Portland landlord. And uh, when we were discussing the non-payment of rent and how that, that, uh, protection was about to, you know, go away. And then there was people, of course, because of our housing crisis, looking to see if we could extend it. And her response to that was like, I resent the government requiring me to give away my property. They don't make Safeway give away food. The regulations do discourage mom and pop landlords, and they are probably the most humane to their tenants. What that regulation control strikes me as being, for the most part, really bad business decisions. The goal of a good landlord is to have steady, responsible tenants. The way to get and keep those tenants is to charge the rent they can afford in the first place. And if the market will bear it, raise the rent, but in slow steps at predictable times and after a conversation with a tenant. What do you say to that? Laura. <laughs> okay, you're talking to Laura now? Laura, Ali's talking right to you right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> hashtag not all landlords. Um, <laughs> listen, here's the thing about what uh, Laura has to say mm -hmm. is... It's a fantasy. It's a unicorn situation. It's not real. Um, in my experience, the best landlords are the ones you like never hear from. Um, and that's because they're probably not doing any maintenance, to be clear. Um, but like, you know, that's like the the peak of landlords in, in the Portland metro area is like a landlord that doesn't bother you all the time, but also the 
property is in various uh, stages of neglect. Um, like, that's the thing is like, you know, folks like Laura clearly see this as, as an investment, right? You know, as a way to, to have a secure retirement, whatever it is. So they're hoarding housing. And so you're copy landlords, hoarders of housing? Is that absolutely? What I feel very comfortable saying that. You know, if they have a own a house, they can leverage the equity to buy another house. I, as a renter, can't do that. I don't have any equity to leverage because I'm paying my landlord's mortgage. Uh, he can leverage the equity from my rent to do that, but I can't. And it's so common for these so-called mom and pop landlords to make this empty threat of, oh, if you regulate me, I'm just going to sell my property. Well, last time I checked, if you sell a property, it doesn't magically disappear into thin air. It continues to exist either as an, a rental or owner-occupied. Either one of those outcomes we're perfectly content with. Um, and in my experience, mom and pop landlords are just as lawless, if not more lawless, than corporate landlords because big corporate landlords have you know, this tremendous liability to think about if they, you know, uh, break the law blatantly. Whereas mom and pop landlords, I probably get <laughs> five to 10 emails a week about unlawful, no cause evictions, landlords trying to prevent their tenants from getting relocation. Those are all so-called mom and pop landlords. The big corporate landlords aren't doing that. I feel like there is a very like us versus them mentality going on here. But you're 100% claiming like, well, this is just the facts that I'm seeing. But have I'm just going to ask, have you ever met a good landlord? There are, there are landlords that, you know, especially ones that own duplexes, I would say that's the most common way we see this, um, who, you know, they're not making money. Um, you know, they're, I've heard of landlords who, when they sell the property, they give the tenants uh, the equity, you know, so it's, it's hypothetically possible to be a good landlord. It is extremely rare in the current system because the current system is like, this is a great investment for your retirement. And mm -hmm. like, so, you know, that's how people view it is like, if, if uh, I have to spend money, then that's money that's not going into my retirement. And so, you know, that would be my, you know, challenge to those landlords that are bothered by those comments is like, I think you should really look inward people really identify as good landlords, but when you ask them, um, you know, it's like, hmm, like you, yeah, you were that kind of absentee landlord that didn't do any repairs or any maintenance. Um, you know, if a landlord treats the property like they live there, then I think they could potentially be a good landlord, but I've yet to see a landlord that treats a rental property like they live there. Yeah, there was like a lot of energy around protecting tenants like you said, you know, a few years ago. So is the city at all planning to do anything at this point? Or do you know what? Have you heard about um, any actions that are being taken at the city level? I know the the city has been talking about, you know, primarily trying to coordinate with Multnomah County to A, offer more rent assistance, to get units up onto the market, doing things like a program turnkey Multnomah where they're actually buying like uh, motels that went out of business during the pandemic um, and turning them into um, housing, primarily kind of short-term transitional housing. Also giving landlords like just guaranteed rent and, you know, huge insurance policies to take 
tenants in um, to their buildings. Um, at the same time, they have rolled back some tenant protections at the city level. And so, you know, what we would really like to see is a return to that, I think, focus on keeping tenants housed and not just uh, doing something when people lose their homes, because it's a lot more expensive to house someone who's been displaced than it is to just keep that person housed. Right. Are you noticing like a, any kind of attitude change with the new council? You know, we had an election not too long ago, so we have some new commissioners. I mean, because it's the same old mayor, but like things, attitudes do change once the commissioners have a shakeup. So what have you heard from the new council members? You know, what we've we've heard, you know, for the past, at this point, I think three years or so, we've been trying to pass a, uh, an ordinance, the tenant protection ordinance, which would take a bunch of existing landlord behaviors, some of which are already unlawful, and kind of package them into what's called landlord harassment, essentially designed to get people to self-evict. This would essentially have some penalties for landlords refusing to do maintenance. Um, I mean, just showing up uh, uninvited, literally screaming at people. I mean, there's all sorts of things that landlords could do to um, when they want a tenant to leave and they don't want to they don't have a good reason to evict them to just get them to move out. Um, and so, you know, we've seen, you know, some movement on that. The Rental Services Commission recommended that city council pass it. Um, so Commissioner Ryan was in charge of carrying that. Um, and so, you know, we're still hopeful that they'll they'll bring that forward and pass it. I think that'll go a long way to keeping people housed. Um, but definitely, you know, since Chloe Daly and Joanne Hardesty were um, lost re-election, there's been less urgency around tenant protections. And I think more urgency around like getting homeless people to be less visible. <laughs> All right, let's take a break here. Uh, when we come back, what the city and county are doing to address these mass evictions. Let's talk about the other tenant protections, like the new laws being considered this legislative session. So we have Senate Bill 611, uh, which would limit limit annual rent increases uh, to like 8% total. Um, so either 3% plus inflation or 8%, you know, whichever is lower. What do you think? Do you think that has a shot? We are really, you know, hoping, really pushing for it. Um, it's it doesn't restrict the ability of landlords to make money and like it just doesn't it restricts the ability of landlords to just totally take advantage of renters uh, who i mean housing is we need we need somewhere to live you know and um i think about my own situation my landlord raised our rent 200 over 200 dollars a month last year and his stated reason was property taxes well Property tax information is public, so we looked it up. The property taxes on our house went up $600. So he essentially, you know, raised our rent $2,400 or three times what he needed to to make up that property tax increase just because he could. You know, that was the maximum mm -hmm. allowable rent increase last year. And I think for us at PTU, one of the biggest things about the bill as well is that it lowers the, there's a loophole currently in the, the rent cap um, a rent stabilization law that a building 15 years or newer is exempt. And SB 611 would lower that to three years. 
you know, we saw this with the Prescott in Northeast Portland, where the landlord just wanted to massively increase their rent, sometimes double. And while those tenants organized and were able to win, uh, keeping their rent stable, you know, they shouldn't have had to do that. What about Measure 26238, uh, Multnomah Co-Tax, which is requiring legal representation in evictions? Yeah, so ETO were very, very supportive of it. Um, I think it's something like 5% of tenants who get uh, four-cause evictions have legal representation, um, and the overwhelming majority of landlords do. Um, at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier, 92% of four-cause evictions in Multnomah County are for non-payment of rent currently. And so you know, having an attorney is not going to fix that problem of a tenant simply doesn't have the money um, to pay their rent. But what it will help with is you know, ensuring that the tenants' rights are being violated because right now there's not a whole lot of attorneys that work tenant-side law. And so every single one of them is swamped right now and has almost no capacity to take on new clients. And so having a guaranteed income stream for those attorneys, um, you know, I think we hope is going to encourage more folks to come into that area of practice. So if you are a renter right now and you're going through something similar that you were talking about, would you say just like just come down to, you know, Portland Tenants United and we'll like help you sort things out? Are there other resources that um, are there to help protect them? First of all, 211, um, you know, that's they'll they can connect folks to a lot of different resources, um, hypothetically rent assistance, but uh, it's like very difficult to come by. Um, the Portland Rental Services Office for Portland renters, um, they're best, I think, gotten a hold of by email right now. You know, they can answer questions about like rights type things. Um, then there's the Community Alliance of Tenants. They're a statewide organization. They have a hotline. Yeah, PTU, our website is pdxtu.org. Um, you can contact us on, via email, Facebook, uh, Twitter, <laughs> whatever. And then... Uh, Oregon Law Center Legal Aid Services of Oregon um, is a fantastic resource, especially for folks who are facing eviction. You know, they've recently gotten a lot more funding to help those those tenants. And so, well, I would say pretty much all these resources are fairly overwhelmed because of the need is so great. Um, those are definitely where I would point folks to go. Well, thank you, Ellie. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us about this, this really important uh, issue. And also, thank you for the work you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. And now for your microdose of news. Canby School District in Clackamas County is considering banning books. 33 titles have already been pulled off the library shelves and are being reviewed whether they are uh, quote-unquote pornography or criminal. And some of these books include The Bluest Eye and The Handmaid's Tale. Understandably, students and fans of the First Amendment are not happy. And people in Los Angeles are talking about the latest salt and straw expansion. The Portland-based ice cream chain has seven stores within the L.A. County boundary, but their soon-to-be eighth location in Silver Lake is creating tension in that neighborhood. It seems they're displacing a locally-owned gelato shop that had already been gentrifying Silver Lake since 2006. All jokes aside, local businesses getting pushed out by out-of-town chains sucks. And Pazzo Gelato claims their lease is not being renewed to make room for the Portland business. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. 
We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed this show, why not tell a friend, rate, or leave us a review? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>